Contrology, the Pilates method, the method, the work. However you want to describe it, it is the brainchild of German creator and inventor, Joe Pilates. Hello everyone, I'm Darian Gold. Thanks so much for joining us on All Things Pilates. Injuries, sometimes unavoidable. Though I've always contended that an injury can be one of our greatest teachers, it's comforting to know if surgery is necessary, having an experienced and caring surgeon can ease some of the anxiety produced by going under the knife. With us today is one of those caring physicians. His name is Dr. Spencer Stein. He is a sports medicine surgeon who specializes in repairing shoulders, elbows, hips, and knees. His intention is to educate his patients about the least invasive treatment options he offers, but if surgery is the best choice, then he explains clearly what the patient can expect. Dr. Stein's academic background is very impressive. He completed his residency training in orthopedic surgery at Northwell Long Island Jewish Medical Center, where he served as chief resident. He obtained his medical doctorate at New York University and his undergraduate degree in chemistry at Duke University. Then a fellowship training opportunity happened in Los Angeles at the renowned Curlin Job Orthopedic Clinic. Always excited to continue sharing his passion and fascination of the human body potential, Dr. Stein accepted the position as the assistant team physician. He worked with many of the best sports teams in Los Angeles, such as the Dodgers, Pepperdine Waves, Anaheim Ducks, Sparks, and even a number of athletes on the PGA Tour. Dr. Stein blends his affinity for science and his love of body mechanics and has a refreshing attitude towards his patients he considers part of his family. Isn't that right, Dr. Spencer Stein? Hi. Hey, Darian. Thank you so much for that great introduction. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. You, you treat all of your patients like family. That's lovely. I do, yeah. I try to think about how I would treat my family or my loved ones um, when it comes to treating my patients. I think that's a good way to, to practice. And you get tremendous feedback, I'm sure. You make them feel comfortable and safe. People tend to like that. And, and I think that's how I'd want to be treated if, if and when I'm a patient. Sure. Tell us what sports medicine is. Sure. So sports medicine is, is my passion. And, and what is sports medicine? So sports medicine has essentially evolved now into taking care of the joints and specifically the ligaments and tendons and cartilage and tissue that surround the joints. And the reason that sports medicine is because those injuries often happen in athletes. Um, and that's how the term sports medicine has come about. So the goal of the sports medicine physician is to treat those patients, whether they're athletes or weekend warriors or laborers, um, and take care of the, the ailments that they may have in those joints and to help them get back to what they want to do. And whether that's 
playing sports, whether it's professionally or recreationally, or just getting back to their community or whatever they want to do. What type of patients do you treat right now? Well, I, I treat, the patients I treat come from a broad category. They're of all ages, uh, from younger to older, and they're, uh, they could be weekend warriors, they could be athletes of all different levels, they could be athletes in college, they could be athletes uh, in high school. So they really do come from a broad, uh, a broad background. Lay people, though, can come to you and not feel intimidated that you also treat athletes, right? So it's all inclusive. It's true. It's all inclusive. So it really does involve taking care of the joints and preserving the joints. So whether that's, again, an athlete or somebody who just is having pain and just needs to get back to what they want to do, whether that's going to the grocery store, walking around their community, or, or running with their friends. And so some people do laugh because they come to me and they say, well, I'm not really an athlete, so why am I seeing a sports surgeon? And I say, well, our job is to treat you like an athlete and get you back to what you want to do. That sounds really nice. That makes sense. Body mechanics. How do you, with all of your training, describe what body mechanics is? Well, that's a great question, Darian. So what, oh. what are body mechanics? Yeah, what is that? So body mechanics are, what I like to think of it as how the body moves in space. And an important concept here is the kinetic chain. And what that is, is one part of the body affects the other. So if you think about a pitcher, it's not just the arm that's throwing the ball. It starts in the legs and that's where the power is generated and the power is transmitted through the core and then up to the arm. So, and if one part in that kinetic chain is off, so somebody's legs aren't strong enough or core isn't strong enough, then they can see repercussions in the other part. So if their core isn't right, then their arm slot may be off and then their pitching mechanics will be off. So I think about body mechanics as how the body is working in space and how the body is working together as part of the kinetic chain. If a patient comes to you and they either have knee, hip, shoulder, elbow, something going on. Maybe they can't even describe to you what is actually happening in their body. Do you take them through an assessment such as, I know in the Pilates world, we always watch people walk forward and backward, seeing how their gait, how their whole body is involved or not involved in the gait. Do you do something like that? I do, yeah. So I always check a patient's gait. And I often, you know, often the exam starts with just seeing them walk into the office or walk into the room and kind of seeing how they're holding themselves. So all of that is part of, of my initial assessment. And then I pretty much examine head to toe um, and then get more specialized or specific about what part of the body I'm looking at. But one great example of that is the hip because patients may think they have hip pain, but it could really be low back pain. And there's a lot of crossover there. And similarly, in the neck and the shoulder, there could be crossover of pain there. So we have to look at the whole body and kind of figure out what's really bothering them. And sometimes that could be pretty tricky. Sometimes a bit of a mystery. It's a mystery. We're detectives. <laughs> and that's the fun part. Curlin Job, which was not too far from my studio. Okay. In Hollywood. They're a little bit more West LA, I believe. Mm -hmm very well known in the orthopedics community. How did that opportunity 
to be an, an assistant team physician come about for you? So Curlin Job, so I'm very honored to be part of the legacy of physicians who went to and trained at Curlin Job. So the way f- uh, medical training works in the United States is do college, we do medical school, we do our residency, which we apply for, and in orthopedics, that's five years, and that's your specialty. And then after that, most physician surgeons want to do a subspecialty training. So I applied for Curlin Job, and it was my top choice, and I, and I got into my top choice, and that's, um, that's how I was honored enough to, to be able to train there. Why was it your top choice? Why was it my top choice? Yes. Well, um, besides going to the West Coast and seeing how that lifestyle was, which was very nice, <laughs> uh, it was because of the training, the, the diversity in training, um, the different physicians I got to work with. And a major part of it was a sports exposure that I got uh, that I was able to be a part of. How long were you there? Uh, this Curlin Job training is one year subspecialty training. So I was there for one year. Did you want to stay longer? I thought about staying longer and I definitely thought about staying in Los Angeles, but uh, ultimately <laughs> I'm from New York and I just love the culture of New York and I wanted to come back of to my course. hometown. So You're it a was, New Yorker. yes, it was, um, it was a difficult decision though. What was the best part of being an assistant team physician? So I loved working with, with the athletes. Um, and for example, on the major league level, you could see how hard they really work and how devoted they are. And just, just the way I devote myself to surgery, they're devoting themselves to their craft. So seeing that passion, that enthusiasm, that's probably one of the best parts. And of course, when they're recovering from injury, it's, it's quite amazing to see what they go through and how quickly their bodies react. And it's a lot of things. It's training, it's nutrition, um, it's mental health too. When you say react, are you saying how, how the, their bodies heal? Their bodies tend to heal well. And I don't know if that's an innate thing because they are athletes and kind of their bodies are predispositioned to be stronger and faster. Or if that's also because they have a lot of training and they have athletic trainers with them. They have very good physical therapists. They're doing nutrition, nutritional uh, training and have nutritionists with them. So it probably is a combination of those things. Do you remember when you were there, if Pilates was introduced through the physical therapy department? Do you remember if there was a, even a hint of the Pilates method? There are hints of Pilates because of course the core strengthening. And we know that core strengthening is very important as far as the kinetic chain and getting back to play. So there definitely are aspects of that I think are important and that different uh, physicians and physical therapists would use, and I would notice that. When you speak or refer to the kinetic chain or chains in our body, in order for the kinetic chain to be flowing, or I don't know how you would say it, it's got a a nice healthy through line, you have to begin with a strong abdominal and low back uh, premise in terms of how the body's moving through space, right? Absolutely, because it's, it's the legs and the arms are all connected through the core. Yes. So very, very important. And in terms of an athlete, was there one athlete in particular that you were drawn to based on his or her, I don't know, not just athleticism, their sense of professionalism, how they listen to the instructors, how they absorb the information? 
Uh oh. <laughs> Good question. That's a hard. That's a hard one to answer. And I love working with professionals, but I do have to say, sometimes working with college athletes was the most rewarding because they're kind of more, they're newer open. to it and they're not professionals and they're open and they've maybe been less corrupted by money or whatever it may be. And they're kind of, they're fresh and they're young and it's, it, it, and working with college athletes is very rewarding and they're not necessarily exposed to a lot of fame, right? Or fortune yet, even though they may be at some point, but they're kind of, it's, it's more of a natural way of taking care of an athlete. That is a challenge though, as you become the best in your field, people are going to throw all sorts of things at you. And then you're a star, a celebrity. How do you, I wonder how some of these athletes continue to maintain their discipline. It is, I can only imagine how challenging it is for them because they'll come in off a tough game and they're putting their heart out there. And then, you know, their media is bombarding them with questions and they have to answer to what they did or they didn't do. Um, so that, that can be challenging. And that goes back to the mental health aspect because we know that mentally getting back to play is very important. So their, their fitness to return is uh, predicated on how emotionally ready an athlete is. Were there mental health professionals inside Curlin Job? Um, there are mental health professionals that we refer to, but a lot of the professional teams will have somebody on staff or uh, somebody close that by. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a multidisciplinary sure. approach. It really is. Yeah. In terms of your office, when an injured patient is referred to you, how do you determine if the patient needs surgery or if he or she can heal through other modalities such as Pilates or physical therapy? So how do I determine that? Well, the first thing is the diagnosis. So we have to figure out what is bothering them. And that starts with the history. And history is probably 80 to 90% of the diagnosis. And the history is what happened? When did the pain start? How did it happen? Is there any specific movements that make it worse or anything that makes it better? That'll, that'll kind of key us in. Then there's physical exam. And those are the most important things because we treat the patient. We don't treat the MRI or the X-ray or the CAT scan. But those, those uh, devices are useful in confirming our diagnosis. So the next step is to figure out an MRI or you know, X-ray or whatever imaging we need. And once we put that all together, we can figure out a treatment plan. Now, almost always the first step is something conservative. And when I say conservative, it's non-operative. So physical therapy or activity modification or Pilates, for example. So that's the first step. And we usually give them a couple months to see how that goes. If someone comes to you and let's say they are a runner and they're having Achilles tendon issues, some sort of tendonitis, do you put them on a treadmill and you watch how they run or slow motion if they're, if they're acute? in pain? Do you watch them do the action that they, something happened in that kinetic chain at some point? I wish we could have the capability to do that. Um, I guess that would just take a lot of resources and time, but what I can do is send them for testing. Or, um, so there could be, there's like dynamic testing that can be done where they can video, do videographs of them on the treadmill, for example, and then I can get a report. And kind of that's when we really need to work with the physical therapists or trainers to kind of get their mechanics right, because that can help a lot. 
Now, once they come to see me, a lot of times the damage could already be done. Um, so now we have to figure out a prevention, of course, but also what we can do to help what's already been done. Sure. As you and I both know, the body heals sometimes in very mysterious ways. In your orthopedic practice, has there been a patient recovery that surprised you and you thought, oh my gosh, how did that happen? I was expecting a different kind of outcome, but this showed up. Can you think of a patient that that happened? And it sort of broadened your idea of how the body heals. Darren, the body's so amazing. It's the way it heals is is just strikes me every time. I mean, we we have a joke amongst our amongst the orthopedists, and we say, you know, the bones heal on their own. Imagine if people knew that, and <laughs> that's partially true because the bones do heal on their own, but they have to be lined up correctly. But yes, the patient patients amaze me. And like for example, sometimes I'll see a patient with a rotator cuff tear. And it may be an acute rotator cuff tail. And I'll tell them, try physical therapy. And they'll say, no, I don't think it's going to work. And then they do it. And you'll see how the other, they'll see how the other muscles compensate. And they're able to get better. Now, they may not be 100% or 90%. But, and sometimes that's good enough for them. So, yeah, for example, in rotator cuff tears, there seems to be a good response to physical therapy. That's one example. Now, a lot of times, I'll also see patients for traumas. And they may have a hip fracture. And when I see them preoperatively, they're not looking so good. They kind of, they'll look paler, they'll look sick. Now in that case, surgery needs to be done because it's a hip fracture and it's, it needs to be fixed or else they won't be able to walk. Then I'll see them after the hip fracture and they, even the next day, they look better. They look pinker. They look more like a person. And then in the office, when you see them and they're walking and they're like almost brand new. So some of the recoveries, especially in like an acute trauma are really amazing. You see how the person responds. It's very rewarding. And they're so happy because maybe they didn't think that they would heal as much. That trauma is weird for patients because they were fine up until this accident and now they're hurting. So their recovery, you know, sometimes it's really, the recovery is hard for them. Now you could have a difference in a patient who has arthritis and they've been dealing with pain for years. Now those patients could be really happy because they've been dealing with pain for years and now they're not having pain anymore. Let's talk about arthritis. Can you explain what it actually is? Sure, yeah. So how I like to describe arthritis is the most common type of arthritis, at least, which is osteoarthritis, is wear and tear of the joint. So the joint is lined with cartilage, smooth cartilage, and it's smoother than ice, actually, and it allows the joint to glide but you only get one lining per life and it's like treads in a tire or a mirror. And right. And once it gets cracks or the treads wear out, it doesn't, it doesn't grow back. It does not grow back normally. And when there's thinning of the cartilage, there is an inflammatory response and the knee can swell and there could be cytokines, which are inflammatory markers, which kind of end up attacking the rest of the knee and the knee become, there could be meniscus tears and all these other sources of pain. So ultimately, arthritis is wear and tear along with inflammation. Stem cell treatment wouldn't help? So treatments about arthritis. Now, there's a lot of advancements in the treatment of arthritis. And stem cells, which is really bone marrow aspirate, is promising, as is PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma. Platelet-rich plasma is taking one's own 
blood, spinning it, and taking the growth factors and injecting them. And those have been shown to give relief in like mild to moderate arthritis. However, so far in hundreds of years that physicians have been looking at ways to heal cartilage, nothing has been able to bring back cartilage to the 100% native form. If someone comes to me as a Pilates student and has arthritis, I can think of a number of people. I don't want to go in with this client and give them some sort of false sense that they're going to be 100%, obviously. But resistance training helps take the pressure off or gives some traction in the area. So this is a good question. So there are a lot of things they can do uh, for that patients can do for arthritis, obviously before injections and before surgery. And some of that is physical therapy, like resistance training and strengthening around the joint. So the joint itself doesn't get as much load. And that's especially true in patellofemoral arthritis. And that's arthritis under the kneecap. So that's especially true in that type of arthritis. Um, also, just keeping the joint moving will help it keep lubricated. So, which helps event, uh, prevent stiffness. So that would be things like cycling or swimming, for example, is great because it's low impact. Running, I do tell patients to be careful about because of the impact, especially street running. A major part of your practice is, arth I'm going to say this wrong, is arthroscopy. You got it. That's right. Arthroscopy. And what is it? What is arthroscopy? So arthroscopy is scope, which means camera, and arthro is joint. So it's putting the camera in the joint, and that's arthroscopy. So it's using uh, keyhole incisions and a fiber optic camera, which is about the size of a pen, to look inside the joint and actually do things inside the joint, whether that's fixing a meniscus or taking out a meniscus tear or fixing a rotator cuff or fixing a labrum, things like that. Is that... Do you do that with robotics, something or other? So that's, that's actually not right now done with robotics. That's just done with a fiber active camera and, and just our hands. Um, although robotics and medicine is a developing field, and we can talk about that, but there's like partial replacements where robotics are helpful. But in arthroscopy, we're still doing that manually, although there is the development of guidance and different technologies that help us place screws or instrumentation in, in a more correct or anatomic manner. And you use, you use this to do joint replacements. You use this procedure? Uh, no, no, arthroscopy would be before you get to a joint replacement. So that would be things like joint preservation, which would be things like doing meniscus surgery or cartilage repair. Through the fiber camera, through the fiber optic camera, right? Fiber through the fiber optic camera, through the fiber optic camera, there are things we can do like treat cartilage defects or treat meniscus. Um, with arthroscopic assistance, we can do an ACL reconstruction. And the, the benefit of it is that it's minimally invasive. Instead of a whole open incision where the muscle is taken off, we're able to, to penetrate the joint basically with small narrow instruments. And so recovery is quicker and there's a less risk of infection. And there's a lot of benefits of it. And then if that is not possible and it is time for a joint replacement, can you take us through what one of the joints 
uh, ankle, elbow, hip. Can you take us through how you actually prepare for it? And what kind of materials do you use when you're going to replace a joint? So if a patient is ready for joint replacement, they're usually at end-stage arthritis. So they've tried other things. They've tried, you know, injections. They've tried physical therapy, cortisone injections. Now, once they're ready for it, and the New England Journal came out with this study, that hip and knee replacements, which are the most common, or one of the most successful surgeries that are done in this country. And what it is, it's, it's replacing the joint with metal and plastic. Now, the metal, let's say a knee replacement, so the metal is uh, a mix of metals. It's usually cobalt, chrome, it could be nickel, it could be titanium, and plastic, which is a highly cross-linked polyethylene. So it's a smooth plastic that doesn't wear down. And essentially what, uh, for lack of better terms, it's cutting the bone at specific areas and implanting the metal um, in the plastic. And the bone itself doesn't have nerve endings, so they're not, you know, they're not feeling like the metal in there really, it's the surrounding tissues that have the nerve endings. Um, and ultimately those, those respond well. How many joint replacements have you done? Oh, I've done hundreds of joint replacements, yeah. It's a very, very common surgery, especially through my training, very, very common. Most of the people, what's the percentage of people going back to their life better than when they first met you? Better than when they first met, oh. That's about essentially 100%. I mean, everybody's better than when they came in. And most people say they wish they had surgery earlier. Now, the knee replacement may not be feel like when they were 20, um, but a lot of times the hip does. Uh, but better than they came in, almost always, always, I would say. How long does a replacement last? Nowadays, replacements are lasting upwards of 30 years with a newer material. So I do try to wait until the patients are in their 60s to do it. But nowadays, um, it is lasting quite a while, and there's good resistance to wear. In terms of how Pilates comes into this particular way of healing the body, when we talk about resistance training, are we resisting, we're making the, we're challenging the bone as well as the muscles around a specific joint that has the issue? So we're constantly doing that push-pull Good question. I love that. So yes, of course, we think about resistance training as strengthening the muscles and the associated tendons. But what uh, makes the bone stronger is load. And of course, you get increased load through resistance training. So to have stronger bones, you need to use it. So the adage, if you don't use it, you lose it, does hold true. So the bones need to be, the actual bones need to be challenged all the time. The bones need to be loaded. Yeah, exactly. So if someone's sitting you know, or if we're for whatever, they're in a nursing and they're sitting, their legs and their bones become thinner and we see that. So staying, staying active is important. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you ever had an injury? And if so, was it minor or major? I had an injury. I suffered from shoulder dislocations when I was younger, which is a common, common injury that I take care of now, actually. And you know, it's simple because it's just a shoulder dislocation, but it's not so simple because young patients with shoulder dislocations have a high rate of recurrence. And the more times a shoulder dislocates, the more likely is that the more likely the patient is to develop, can you guess? Arthritis. Arthritis, exactly. So it's not so simple. Um, and Were you I, hypermobile? 
I'm probably so am I hypermobile? I'm not really hypermobile. I'm probably there's not there's a great so we use the Baden score, which is out of nine, and I'm probably four out of nine. So the Baden score is like, can you bring your thumb to your forearm? Can you hyperextend your elbows? Can you hyperextend your knees? Can you touch the floor with your palms? So I'm probably like a four, three or four out of nine. So I'm like not that hypermobile, but a little bit, I would say. Let me ask you one more question about arthritis. Are all of us, as we age, going to end up with arthritis? What are the odds? That's a good question, Darren. And I don't think we really know that, but there's certainly risk factors like weight and genetics that play into it. Probably most of us, as we get into our 80s, will have some degree of degenerative joint disease, but it's how much does it really affect us? And do we need to do anything about it? So maybe we have arthritis, but it doesn't bother us. So it's nothing to worry about. So you could have arthritis and not have any you pain. You could have some car, yeah, some cartilage wear, like a grade one or two, and it doesn't really bother you. So again, that's why we don't treat x-rays. We don't treat MRIs. We treat the patient. We see how the patient's actually doing. What's the scale? Four. Zero to five? Zero to four. So four meaning you need a joint replacement. Four is pretty much end stage. You need a joint replacement. So if somebody's at a one or a 0.5, they may not even know. And that's just what they live with for the rest of their life. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if we go into their knee with an, with an arthroscope and we look though, and you're 70 years old, there'll probably be some cartilage wear, but again, it's probably not bothering them. And most athletes, most pro athletes end up with arthritis? A lot do, and it depends on the athlete, and it depends on the joint, but their joints see a lot of wear and tear in general, especially football players, for example. They're prone to knee arthritis. Their professional life is only about three years, correct? Football players, especially, depends on the position. So like quarterbacks can last longer. But if you look at running backs, they're probably about three years. I mean, they take a lot of beating. It'd be interesting to see how they heal after their their football life ends. Would be interesting to see how they heal with Pilates after their football life. I'm so glad you <laughs> said that because it is really valuable. It's there's, such a valuable discipline. There's a study there. We'll do that study. I love it. I would love it. I would love to be part of that. In our pre-interview, you told me that there is a possibility that you're going to begin studying Pilates. Was that just a, a rumor or to placate me or what? <laughs> I'm into it, Darian. I'm into it. I love it. I love that it's, I actually do love that it's low impact and it's resistance training. And that's great for joints because impact, not so good, but resistance, great. So I'm totally into it. And uh, I think my, uh, my gym has a free trial. So I'll let you know how it goes. Yes. And what about yoga for you? I love yoga. Yoga is great because, again, it's core strengthening. Yoga really hits the mind. So it's kind of like it's almost like a mix, of, in my mind, of meditation and body mechanics. So I like yoga. I practice yoga. Okay. So if you could just imagine yoga some of those postures, those positions put on apparatus that are spring-loaded, then it takes that whole idea of working the middle and the center and the core of the body mm -hmm. tenfold or a hundredfold, because now you have this tremendous resistance with the springs 
but you're doing similar, not all of the, not all of the exercises in the Pilates method are totally similar to yoga, but similar enough for your, the mechanics of your body to understand how to move through space. But now you're being challenged with this whole other element, mm -hmm. which is the springs. I love that. I love the spring loading too. It's like, it's like band training almost. It's, it's lower impact and it's the hard, the harder you push it, the harder it gets. So that's why spring, and you know, your muscles are essentially like springs. So it's kind of matching it up well. Do you have children? I don't have children, not yet, no. But when you do, they'll probably be very active. All right, right. And you'll be watching always their mechanics. I can imagine. I'm sure I will be. I'm sure I will be. Any parting words in terms of advice for people who are thinking about trying to, they don't want surgery, but they're starting to think that maybe that's the last, that's the last road they're going to have to walk on. Do you have any advice as to help them, help guide them? Yeah, sure. So it's, it's shared decision-making. So you have to find a doctor that you're comfortable with and a healthcare team that you're comfortable with, and you have to discuss it and think about it. And you, most surgeons won't rush you to surgery. Most surgeons say it's the la kind of the last resort, but often uh, it's, it's, it's a good resort and it's something you need that one should think about a patient should think about, but there's a lot of patients that do well without surgery. And I recommend they try all the other options. And if those don't work for them, then surgery can be something that's very effective and, and, and very safe too. And successful and successful, safe, successful, effective. Yes. Your office is in New York city or in long yes. Island. Yep. I have office in New York city. What's the name of your office? It's an NYU Langone Orthopedic Associate office. Yep. Does it have a website? Oh, we do have a website. Yeah, you can go to NYU Langone. And if you want to look up our sports medicine division, we're all there. Um, you can look up my page. I'm there. There's more about me. And there's my picture there too. Great. All right. Dr. Spencer Stein, thank you so much for your time today. I hope my listeners got a lot out of this. I certainly did. My pleasure, Darren. I love, I love to come talk to people about things that they know, but they want to know more about like bones and joints and arthritis and kind of the nitty gritty stuff. Yes. It's really great. Yes. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you. And take care. Okay. Of course. My pleasure. Have a nice day. Today's featured student is another hard worker. Her name is Courtney Butowski, and she juggles her own Pilates teaching and raising two rambunctious boys with her equally energetic husband. Pilates has completely transformed my body and mind, Courtney says. It has given me the gift of self-awareness and alignment. Small adjustments in the way I move has made for a stronger body and healthier mind. All Things Pilates is created, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. Some of you may be traveling again. Why not take one or both of my apps along with you? Practice in your hotel, Airbnb, your tent, or even a park. In fact, that's why I produced my apps, for your convenience. 
And for less than the cost of a green smoothie, you can have unlimited time with me. For iOS and Android, you can find these links at DarianGold.com. You also can check in with me on Instagram at Studio Darian Pilates and Facebook at Darian Gold. Until next time, we have to keep our bones strong, right? One way to do this is to keep your body Pilates strong. Next episode is a special one. You won't want to miss it on all things Pilates.